The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Okay, well, there's a, a lot of stuff that I'd like to talk about today. Um, one of which is a very, very light, very happy conversation, as we always have. Um, how's everyone doing, first of all? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wonderfully well. How about yourself? Wonderfully well. That's very nice. Wonderfully well. Very if that's nice. any better, I'd be twins. I think all three of us just worked out. We did, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my muscles are feeling pumped. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, meditated for a while and acted like it worked out. Yeah, I just walked into as, the... as an old bull, I can just stand majestically in the on the hill and yeah. sweat profusely. Yeah, exactly. Here's the thing, we yeah. all worked out and it is dinner time and we went straight to a podcast, so we're all gonna be ravenous. Not me. I'm having a not me. A beverage. I already had I'm five beers. And I do have my calorie bowl of beverage. random things. And you have chickpeas and Roma tomatoes. That's true. So you'll be Satiated. But I, I will still be hungry. I know I know myself. Do you? Yeah. You know yourself? I just You know, it's nice to know yourself. It's nice to be an individual. It's it nice is. to express your individualism. To know exactly. Oh, we're rolling right into it. Are. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I just All right. that oh. was a precursor. <laughs> okay. That was just to feed it there subliminally for the audience. Yeah. Remember you that. Know, for just later. remember. Remember. It's all in the code, man. It's all in the code. Did One, you, three, five, seven, nine, eleven. Does Ooh, your no, work? Nine. Does your workout involve like opiates? Are you? What are you talking about? Are you still no, talking about this just, code? That I am naturally We're, just filled with this kind of ability. We are already. three episodes it away comes from that. At me from the ether. I don't even know where I get it from. You know the the old saying comes from left field. Well, mine comes from all fields. It just absorbed into the essence of the bull. So schizophrenic, and it's regurgitated out. Kind of like cud. That's disgusting <laughs> on so many levels. Um, hey, everyone. Welcome to the very echoey 41st episode of the Wolf and Bull podcast. We are still in shambles in the studio. I have given up. I've given up. I have no, given that's up. one of my favorite words, by the way, shambles. It's Shamble. almost onomatopoetic. You know what that reminds me of? Shambles. A shambler, which is shambler. the name of one of the types of zombies from The Last of Us. Oh, my God. Oh, my uh, This is not even... Really we're, right we're not even... We haven't... I haven't even done the intro. We into Zombieville, though. That is true. The Last of Us 2. I haven't even done the intro. No one even knows what this episode's about. Go for it's it. It's about the hey guys, shamblers. Hey, guys. If you like listening to shamblers and, you know, diatribes shamblers about zombies... and ramblers. Um, and favorite, favorite words, uh, you know, <laughs> continue to tune in. Uh, before we jump into the 41st episode of the wolf and bull just a quick quick reminder friday uh is my birthday so you better take off work and stop doing anything and then get the effigy of myself 
spend some time watching it, <laughs> maybe praying to it, and then we will absolve you here in the Wolf and Bull. But if you do yeah. like what you hear, uh, go ahead and give us a quick follow on the gram. Uh, also, you can listen to us on Spotify, all available podcasts, platforms. There's like a trillion of them. Um, and if you're feeling really nice, now that I'm actually going to be a part of the Apple cult, uh, I had to sell my soul for that, um, you can give us a five-star review. So I can see some of the people that listen starting a little kind of a you know in their like a closet somewhere a little effigy of a wolf sitting there with some candles around it and everything no would that be you know well it'd be really weird looking effigy because i'm like half wolf half human so i still don't I know which part of me is wolf. for that actually werewolf yeah maybe um yeah so your welcome case, you're a their wolf wow you, if you were just spanish you're in a key wolf oh my god or actually in a ye wolf wow I a ye pero, no I. You know What's what? Anybody out there listening to this that knows Spanish is looking at me, going, "Shut the bull up now!" Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even know what wolf is in Spanish. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> El dago. Oh <laughs> lord. El dog. Nice try though. Are we going to start over? <laughs> yeah, let's start let's over just, from the top. Um, if you like hey, I'm the hear, wolf. give us a fly star on Apple Podcast. Um, so, yeah, uh, this is a topic that I guess the bull and I have touched on multiple times, but it, there is an actual coined phrase for it, and I thought we'd dive into a little bit deeper. Uh, both of you said you're doing well this week, so I'm assuming nothing is going on, no major world events, nothing worth talking about. Will Smith oh, smacked yeah. the shit out of Chris Rock. We already touched on that, and now yeah. he's a meme, which is well, hilarious. Oh, well, Elon Musk did buy, what oh, was yes. it, 7 or 9%? percent 9.3% of Twitter. Of Twitter. Yes. I thought that was Hilarious. Awesome. That was and you know what's interesting is that is the way to get back. If you have the... If you have the, the money funds. to do it, the wherewithal. <laughs> oh, he is. He owns more than Jack Dorsey, which makes me happy. Quite he, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Modern but, day Rasputin. You know, they, we talked about Twitter last time and how the, it's it's really this I, I kind of, a, there's this blown up false narrative that comes out of these platforms all the time. And it's really, you know, it, it reminds me, I remember when Facebook first came out, and yeah, probably not first, but when it started really gaining traction. Everybody was taking like these selfies and taking pictures of their food and things like that. And it still goes on, of course. But people began to think that that was what it was really about. That's what their lives were really about. And I think things get conflated over time. And Twitter is a great example of that. From the political side to the, to the, you know, the cancel culture side of things, these vocal minorities that have a platform and they're allowed to use something like Twitter to broadcast that. And I'm all for it. I don't really care what your opinion is on anything. If you have a, a, a even playing field or a, a level playing field, as it were, and you're able to speak your mind, more power to you. You shouldn't be canceled unless it's really, I don't even know if there's a, if it's a really, there's probably rules and regulations that everybody could agree to, to stop certain things from happening. But that's gotta be rare. I think now the rule is, if it hurts someone's feelings, it's not okay. But literally, anything can hurt that's, anyone's that's feelings. That's really the problem. Everything can be hurtful now. Right? Well, mm -hmm. words are, you know, it used to be sticks and stones. 
Now words are violence. Now words are sticks and stones. Right? Well, as the uh, black-pilled authoritarian libertarian here, I disagree with both of you. I think that there should be people who are canceled because at the end of the day, if we can't figure out where the level playing field of what we can and can't do is, then everyone is going to continue running over other people who are like, oh, well, I think anyone can say whatever they want. Um, so that is my opinion. You don't think anybody can say whatever they want? I think that there is lines. I think there are ideas to things that people should be able to say and think, but I do think that there are bad ideas, and I do think people should be vocally shamed for bad ideas and not taken seriously. I think in order to draw a line of this is a good moral idea, this is an idea that makes sense, we need to come to a consensus, I think right now in the country there are so many issues when it comes to people not having a line that they draw that people consistently cross that line, and that's why we have the problems today. So, That's what but I think. how do you think those lines should be drawn? By what you believe in, or by what somebody else believes in, or about what? Or I think some kind of consensus. Well, I think that we can easily point to some of the political documents in the country. The political documents in the country specifically talk about how, in order for the country to operate in a certain way in an effective way, it needs to have a moral people. If there is no morality within the country, and what I mean those by were morality, put together by a handful. Well, of let people. me finish. Let me finish. In, in order for there to be some sort of moral, moral, moral consensus, there needs to be universal truths. If we live in a world where there are no accepted universal truths, then we have the problems that we have today. Which, interestingly enough, is kind of what we're going to talk about: uh, the topic of expressive individualism, which. That's how he just ran right through me there. Well, look, I, I don't... Because he didn't agree with me. He I, doesn't think I have the right for free speech, I believe. That's not true. I don't, never said I don't you think... Don't, I never said I don't think there should I be free to, speech. What the bull has to say mm-hmm. has the same validity as what you have to say, do you? Never said I don't I think, think there shouldn't be free speech. from. Not what I, I said. I think it is. Not what I said. I think it's your way or the highway. Not what I said. I've heard you say more than once, you're the CEO and... Grand no, Pumbaa. no, no. You're the CEO. I said I was the president. I thought there was a deviation there. Isn't the CEO the... See, you're even telling me know. that what I just said is wrong. See, about what no. you, see you're, it's all you. It's all about you. <sighs> see, you, you know, you're expressing yourself as an individual, which is perfectly fine with me. But you're, you're hurtful. Your, your words are very hurtful. Do you need a Band-Aid? I do. I have a whole case of Band-Aids over there. Do you? <laughs> yeah, you want one. Is it the kind of Band-Aids I like or the kind of Band-Aids you like? Uh, it's both. It's both? Yeah, you can so determine whatever the Band-Aids are. allowing... No, Anybody you know where the band-aids they No, are. it's a band-aid that you believe it could be whatever band-aid you want it to be. Is it stretchy? Whatever you want. It got a little like SpongeBob. It could be a band-aid something. that actually turns into a tourniquet. I mean, mm. yeah. That means it's a pretty deep wound. A well, look, I think I feel uh, I think I feel God. I think I should uh explain myself. Mm. Because I'm not saying that people shouldn't have the ability to speak freely. What I'm saying is that people should not have the ability to get uh the condoned acceptance that is given to so many different outliers these days because rather than people confronting ideas that are innately bad people just say well believe whatever you want and that doesn't it, it's not conducive for a society that's going to operate basing, logically what are you basing quote unquote bad bad i didn't say anything like was bad i'm saying okay so ideas wise like if everyone collectively agrees that we shouldn't murder It's a pretty decent idea. But if there's a small collective of people that think murdering is okay, then that is in contradiction to the masses. And if people in the masses say that murdering is okay and they allow it to happen, then collectively that becomes a problem. It keeps pushing out further and further. Does the definition of murder mean, you know, to Taking a life. Taking a life. But what about uh, capital punishment? But that's the problem. The what about isms cause the issue. In order for Wait a sec, pause. In order for... I'm answering your question. In order for capital punishment to exist... There needs to be a collective consensus on what f- 
crime fits the punishment, right? So if we talk about crime fitting the punishment, but we take out the capital punishment aspect, then we have the problems that we have today of people doing whatever they want to and then getting a free ride for life on the taxpayer dollar. Yeah. So there's no reason to have it. Why even have it? I've got a little interjection, and you know I'm being tongue-in-cheek with what I'm talking about to try to stir up some things. Because I I actually believe that there should be, uh, and I think I've said it before, like pillars. Maybe that's the wrong terminal word, but there should be certain things that are identified from consensus, yes, but also through a period of time. And the reason I say that is Mm -hmm. because it takes a lot of history to get to a certain point to have this, not groupthink, but these collective idea that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. There's certain boundaries, if you will, that you do not cross, et cetera. Now, I think that where I have a contention with what you said may be in more of the shame part that you mentioned. And I understand where you're coming from from that, but I, I've always been of the belief that people should be able to say pretty much whatever they want, pretty much, quote unquote, but that the, the people that say the outlying and outlandish things will dissipate over time because they're not with, constrained within the parameters that you and I are just talking about. The problem today is that nobody's constraining them. Well, that's... There's, there's no, because, because the way people are couching things are intentionally shaming the majority of people into believing what these minority are saying, this minority of people are saying is is right so, for them, which goes back to our thing from today. And my answer to that is the majority needs to stop not playing the game. Because their, their idea is, and but we'll follow you speak, so you're going to say something. Their, their idea is the real world will show up. That's not true. And so when it comes to crime, the reason we have things like capital punishment, for example, is to dissuade people from doing something if you kill another person you face the same consequence that's moral that's a moral equivalent that there's moral Moral equivalency equivalency. so if we don't have that and the problem that i see with all these things and this is very new by the way this is the last in my opinion last maybe 30 40 years where people have said yeah but killing in general is wrong that is correct but if we don't have some semblance of consequence then people are just going to do what they want and then you have lifetime people who are in jail for life who killed 30 40 50 60 70 people and then we have this backup of individuals who, if we were to let them out, would continue killing. So, and there is verifiable proof, factual proof that that would be the case. In fact, we're having the same issues right now in 2020 and 2022 and 2021 with that exact problem. Because a whole collective people of well-intentioned individuals who think that there shouldn't really be consequences for anything, that's what it, is, that's what it comes down to, they've pushed their agenda. And I'm, I'm talking not like a small group. It is a collective mainly the millennials and the Zoomers, where everyone should just be like, well, yeah, you did something wrong, but you have a chance to do, you have a chance to change your life. That's an outlier belief in the mainstream. Humans have, they can, they can change, but it's very hard for people to change. And to believe that people have capacity to change over staying the same, I think is naive. What a very bleak outlook that is. I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. I think it's realistic. Okay. I mean, look at, look at, Look at, for example, the, and I'm talking about extremes, right? Look at, for example, the extreme rate of murder. So if someone's murdering people, what are the odds that they would continue murdering if you let them back out? I'd say really high. Yeah, but I don't know what the exact odds are. You talking about exacts or just... Well, just, just a general opinion because well, it... Pull it back from the murder and go to something more simple like breaking and entering or burning down buildings or a lot of the different things that we've seen over the course of the last petty crime years. Yeah. Petty crime that is now looked at as if it's not crime at all. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you can extrapolate your, your thinking process to murder if you wish. 
So I, I understand where you're going with this. And there's this, the breaking down of these parameters is really what I see as the big issue. So we've always contained our lives within these quote unquote rule of law, mm -hmm. right? And there's a framework around it. You talked about the founders of the United States. And that was just a collective of a you know, handful of people really that came up with all that. That the, It's not even to say that the people that were at the in the colonies at the time really thought that was the best way to go. And there was a lot of arguments between Hamilton and Jefferson and people like that over which direction to go. And there's there's treatises that you've, you've read some of, I've mm -hmm. read some of, that you can look at to debate the Democratic Republic against the majority rule, against all these kind of things. And it goes on forever because we're human beings and we think in millions of different ways. But ultimately, to have civilization, you have to have boundaries. You have to have limitations. You have to have parameters around what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. Because if you don't have any boundaries, then anything goes and civilization deteriorates. The end. That was, that was a great way to put it. Well, I think, again, and this is, and you know my opinion on these things, I think that's part of the issue, is people would rather hear something that's coined perfectly today than hear something that's honest. That's the reality of the situation. If I say that someone should be put to death for murdering children, people be like, oh, that's too harsh. But if I say someone should face the consequences of murdering children, then they look at that like that's different. It's the same. And the real issue that America currently has, especially when we get into this expressive individual ide individualism ideology, is the rejection of absolute truth. That's what it comes down to. Because there is, at the end of the day, a consensus, and there has been a consensus for hundreds of years, thousands of years on what happens and what doesn't happen. For example, we all die. No one has lived till eternity. People die. So that's a consensus. Uh, what goes up must come down. Those are things that we've determined as humans to understand like through that time period, what is true. And as time changes and things change, yes, we start to understand things differently, but not to the extent of total rejection of some universal things up until now. And I think that's a major issue because rather than confronting something that's uncomfortable and discussing it, we are now pushing it away and rejecting it because it doesn't make us feel good. You've hit on a really interesting point there, I think, because you, you were talking those two examples, what goes up, comes down, and that we all die. You're talking about physical limitations, mm -hmm. limitations that we know historically you cannot get around. You're mm -hmm. going to croak. And if you toss something in the air, it's going to come down. Well, period, there's psychological right? limitations too. But well, that, therein lies the issue because our subject for the day really talks to the psychology of people mm -hmm. today and how they're conflating psychological elements to the belief in themselves and what is real and what's not and the individualism and of your own little world is dominated only by an outward view, right? Because if you don't have this yeah. kind of, that's, that's what this is. This psychology, this expressive individualism means that the whole world really kind of revolves around you. If you're dictating to the rest of the world that your expressive individualism is right. Yeah. And that must be not, not even adhered to or not even noticed in, and acknowledged, but applauded. Well, yes, uh, that's a, yeah, that's. A, a, you know, an accurate, you know, interpretation of it. And, and obviously it was, I mean, it was originally coined by Robert Bella. Um, and a lot of what I'm going to be discussing, we're going to be discussing today is pulled from an article that I was reading earlier this week. And kind of, we're going to go through a few other 
similar ideologies that exist today. Um, you know, but Robert Bella's specific definition of expressive individualism is that it holds each person to a unique core of feeling and intuition that should unfold or be expressed if individuality is to be realized. So at the end of the day, what you know the bull is talking about is it's basically the pursuit of self to the ultimate extreme meaning if your perce- like perception is reality which there is a interesting like social experiment maybe a, a mind game to play with that but at the end of the day that is only true up to a certain extent and what i mean by that is you, like i can perceive something and you can perceive something and we all can perceive something we'll see we'll have different interpretations of what that is but at the end of the day if we all saw it we can all collectively agree that that thing did occur Right. Unless we're all, you know, simultaneously schizophrenic, which I can't imagine, you know, that I can't imagine. I mean, the the, out, the outlier percentages of that are probably so astronomical. It'd be hilarious. Well, um, maybe maybe in this might be not quite thinking along the right lines, but as a way to try to simplify what we're talking about as we go through this, if we're able to equate it with something that we all can agree upon. So and this is. This, there's an old psychological experiment that started in the, in the 60s of, and I don't know, hopefully nobody ever did this, but having a, a young child grow up and telling them that the color blue was red, for instance. And every time you saw blue, it was red, 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 red. So that child believed that blue was red, period, because that's the way he was taught all his life. But we can all collectively agree when we see something that's the color blue, we believe it's blue, sure. right? So, mm-hmm. but with this this expressive individualism basically uh, creates gray out of all blue, right? It, it creates this big um, this desire for people to be so focused on themselves in a, a weirdly psychological, narcissistic way yeah. that whatever I believe my blue to be is blue. And if you disagree with me, it's oppressive and violent. Exactly. Hmm. Any thoughts, Beowulf? Oh, well, I mean, expressive individualism is almost like a type of religion. Would hmm. would it not be? Like uh, a, like it would sort of, you've got a, a the, is it the majority of Americans today actually do not identify with a religion? Uh, I think it's, as of, to, if I remember the data correctly, because I was listening to something about a few months ago, they said that, I want to say only 60% of Americans identify. Okay, so not the majority, but a, but a big chunk. Still, it's a much larger part. Chunk larger yeah. than probably polled 10 years ago or definitely yeah, significantly 20 larger, or 30 definitely. years ago. Well, yeah. So in one stance, and I obviously haven't done any studying on this myself, but you could say that people have traded religion for this type of individualism when it comes to um, certain, uh, what, what would you call it? Like, everything like movements like like movements and and protests and and um certain cultural giant norms and like their their sexuality or their gender identity has become a religion who is it that i remember somebody saying once that if you don't believe in god then you believe you are god right because the whole idea of believing something outside of yourself is kind of a fundamental one of those fundamental things that human beings kind of have within them. And I'm I'm not here to be an apologist for Christianity or any other religion. That's not the the goal of this. How dare you preach? But, I just think, yes. I think that I'm on my bull box. People, you have these ultra religious people who tend to, you know, everything sort of surrounds you know God or gods or whatever mm-hmm. whatever you know fill in the blank there. 
But then when people aren't religious, they usually have to fill their life with something similar, but they don't recognize it necessarily as this ethereal being that created them, but it's just as important to them. Well, at the end of the day, and this is something I hate using that term, so forgive me for anyone listening that also hates using that term. Um, The interesting nuances between theology of like an actual constructed religion, and I'm going to include non-denominational because that would be something that a lot sure. of people affiliate with, specifically with Christianity, but I'm sure there's other sects and other religions. Um, and then people who are, would be considered secular or non-religious is that they theoretically, they technically boiled down to it, believe the same thing, but flipped on its head. So, it, you know, someone who's religious obviously believes there's something larger than themselves or someone who's a part of Christianity, non-denominational, they believe there's something larger to their, themselves. They believe that there's a purpose to the universe. They believe there's a calling that they have to fulfill something, be it Christianity or Islam or uh, at the, I mean, Eastern theology. And then someone who is secular believes that they're the purpose, that the, that they, that the meaning to the universe is them. And both on both opposite ends of the spectrum, I mean, the opposite ends of the same coin, um, because at the end of the day, you know, if I'm talking with you about what the purpose of the universe is, because, you know, God exists and he created the universe and our purpose is to bring people to him and yada, 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 or Allah, or whoever you want to rep- put in that space, um, then I'm basically doing the same thing that someone who is non-religious would do when they're talking about themselves. They're projecting an idea that otherwise is theirs and theirs alone, but held by a bunch of other people, and they're arguing the same thing, just replacing themselves with that ethereal entity. And that, that ethereal ent- entity, based on what we're talking about today, do you look at that as a a social or psychological construct of some kind? Both. Based around self? Um, it's such a weird thing to well, me, because if you have a ton of people thinking about themselves yes. as this central figure in their play, mm-hmm. which is their life, their mm-hmm. universe and they know that they're part of a collective of others that think the same way, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like a fractured, well, non I was going to say non-denominational, but it, interesting you know that interesting that you mentioned that because over the years, and for our listeners, I was heavily involved in the Christian church for I wouldn't say almost half, more than half my life. I wouldn't say that I'm super practicing now, but something that I did notice as time went on um, is that people were starting to replace fundamental ideology with forms of expressive individualism. So we can talk about like manifesting things into existence or discussing um, how, you know, God wants you to be X or discussing how God gifts you things it, it, or the, the consistent discussion of we're equal. Like I've had people have those discussions all the time. And there is a truth to some of those things when taking it from the Bible. But the problem is they take those things out of context. Well, you think, of the, think of the big churches that are out there. They, they, they went from a very rote Mm-hmm. Um, uh, rigid well not just rigid but ceremonial yeah it was ceremonial kind of environment mm-hmm. and the reason of course for ceremony is back to what we were talking about earlier is to to put parameters around things well, there's also importance right? to symbolism there is absolute importance to it there's there's a function psychologically for doing things over and over mm-hmm. that we could talk about as far as habitual natures sure but it went from that to this whole, let me talk about your life in context with a relationship with God or yep. with creator or whatever you deem your, you know, uh, God is. Yeah. And it, and it, that what that means is it focused away from the collective or the group dynamics with the ceremony and the starting a community and actual this to how is this individually yeah. about you? Yeah. And it, it, and I understand why they did that, but I think the faulting, the, the almost 
the thing that they did to a fault was they left out the actual meat of what it was to be a part of that belief system. Was it for inclusivity? Um, the main I think it was, think? well, because if you look at this historically, and obviously this is very high level, so for anyone who's an actual theologian, they're probably going to correct me on some things. So Christian church obviously has been around for a very long, long time. Um, you know, Constantine was pretty pivotal in, in popularizing it. And he assisted in creating those pillars when it comes to the fundamental, you know, uh, practices that eventually, you know, spread out into the Catholic Church, which eventually became the different denominations. That's very high level. Um, with that being said, what ended up happening, I think, prior to World War II, was that very rigid belief of, you know, you know if you don't get your soul saved, you're going to hell. Like, I mean, the, you, got, you can't the do these things. You've got to be righteous, and a righteous life is following these certain pillars. And, and look, it was never that you can't make mistakes. It was that you, you're within this box, and you'll make mistakes because you're human, but at the end of the day, you have to try not to make those mistakes. It wasn't this whole, like, the grace message was a part of it, but not to the extent that it was is today. And I think people rely the heavily. now is... You're you're already forgiven. Anything goes. Well, right? well, is well. The problem. Well, the problem is that World War II happened, and then that kind of fizzled out as time went on because people didn't want to hear the doom and gloom message. They didn't want to hear a, you'll be damned to hell. So people weren't going to church. So what they brought, did to bring people back in was that very watered down. You know, God wants to be your friend. You know, all these things, and that that is true. I'm not saying that it's not. But it's it's almost like they they they, they righted the, the ship message, too much. They geared the message for a different. Uh, mindset in the population, a soft mindset. Yes, yeah. Um, in, in 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 to me, in the last couple of years, the new big religion is self science, or self. Maybe the science of self. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe both. But because, and I know we've talked about this in previous podcasts that there are there are people in society that are like the I always say druids because that's kind of the that flavor as well. Mm -hmm. But I think you've used the term. Uh, like for for Anthony, um, is bishops is the bishops, yeah, yeah, exactly, to try to give that same well, polluting effect. And I think it's more of the science of self, um, primarily because we can talk about following the science all you want, but science is constantly in flux, and that statement in and of itself is a contradiction. I mean, if it's constantly in flux, then you are changing your opinion on things. But if it's always rigid, then you're never changing your opinion about anything. And at the end of the day, most of these people that spout this stuff, the person that you can't question is not the science; it's them. Um, that's why there's repercussions for all this stuff. That's why there's cancellations. That's why there's, um, you know, statements of absolution in a lot of ways. And I'm using Fauci, we're using Fauci as an example because he's an easy example. But here's, here's what I don't understand about the discussion we're having. I know we haven't do dived, dove in, you We know, haven't delved, in, delved into the water completely at this point. But when you, when you, uh, have a viewpoint mm -hmm. and there's three of us sitting in this room, we all have different viewpoints. There are places that they cross over. You know, sure. It's like a giant Venn diagram, right? And mm -hmm. the places that those bubbles meet in the middle, we can all agree upon. And so if you, if you think about a, a, a vast, you know, all the people in the United States and put all their, their Venn diagrams and, or put their Venn, whatever you call it, their, their bubbles of understanding on one diagram where they all cross over should be all within those parameters of understanding to give us a collective view of things but my to my point i know i'm going off the off the rail a bit here but my thing that i don't understand is why you can't allow everybody to have those outlying understandings in their own bubble and not be so critical of them that they're canceled 
Because that's what's at issue what I mean, today. Well, what I mean by cancellation, though, is not that they should be canceled as a person, but the idea itself shouldn't be adhered to or listened to as being credible. It, it, it's one thing to say you don't get to live a certain way, you don't get to have your income, you don't get to have all those things. That's cancellation to the extreme. What I'm saying is your idea is stupid and you shouldn't be listened to. You shouldn't be taken seriously in that area. Like if you if you are, for example, an astrophysicist and you have a dis, an opinion about something, it's your opinion. You could also be very wrong. We mm-hmm. can't take that as the end all be all of things. And the problem that we have today is not that people. I mean, can't people getting canceled is a problem, but the the alternative problem is that not enough people are saying your idea is bad. Everyone's being supportive of everything. That's so, because they're saying their idea with some other criteria in it that doesn't allow for the criticism without making the critic the evil one. Exactly. And that's why expressive individualism is a problem, because it removes the table of discussion. Politics, for example, is the discussion of what's happening within the polis, within public, within society. And the reason we have these issues today is because the individualism taken to extremes of I'm my perception is the only perception and I'm only going to adhere to the perceptions of those who believe the same thing as me. And I'm not going to listen to other people because it makes me uncomfortable. And I think that that violence, it removes the discussion entirely. So no one's talking about anything. No one's listening to each other and not in the sense that we listen and accept, but in the sense that we're giving ears to a different opinion because the extreme of, you know, not listening to other opinions is accepting all the opinions around you, which is just as bad. There needs to be a medium. There needs to be a, an even ground of, you know what, I'll listen to your opinion, but unfortunately, I don't think your opinion is correct, or your opinion is really bad. Um, I mean, th- those have to be accepted mediums in order to accept the alternative of your opinion is really good. That was always accepted. That's what yes. frustrates me. Because now you can't, I mean, we're sitting around voicing our opinion, and, but we're, we, we're very intentionally nonspecific a lot. Sure. And it's unfortunate because I don't think we should be. I'm not, I, I could tell you exactly what I, I mean. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But it, no matter the medium, and this is a very expressive medium, it's an individually expressive medium, actually. But it's, it's also open to interpretation. And frankly, I don't think there's been a single podcast where two of us or three of us haven't both agreed and disagreed on a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's, that's the best thing about I'm, I'm telling you guys, anybody that's listening out there, that is the very best thing about being able to speak your mind is to understand from others and grow from it and let them do the same from you. Sure. I agree. Um, Beowulf, any opinions? Any opinions? <laughs> I mean, when I think of individualism, I, it's just like what I said. I think, I think people uh, are seeking uh, some sort of... Repre- not representation, but they need a feeling of belonging to something. So if they're not getting that from their family and they maybe don't have a lot of friends, they go online and they find some sort of group that says whatever, doesn't even matter, could be blue, red, left, right, doesn't matter, and they'll latch onto it. And if, if they get the validation that they're seeking, validation is a very, very addicting it doesn't even matter what someone's validating you for. If someone's telling you that you're doing something right over and over again, even if it's bad for you, you're going to keep doing it at least well, for a while. Let me ask you something on that, on that bail. Because uh, last podcast, you mentioned uh, at least one or two times this idea of chaos. And I'm not talking about chaos in the you know, uh, uh, astrophysical you know, science kind of dynamic, but I'm talking about the interpersonal dynamic, which goes back to the psychology of, 
of what we're talking about today in, in, in a lot of ways because I think that part of this problem, this expressive individualism, is that you can have people expressing individualism in very concise, logical, uh, even emotional ways that tie into the environment or, or, or surroundings or the, the cadre of people that they hang out with, all those kinds of things, and that's absolutely fine. But you also have people that, whether intentionally or su uh, subconsciously, are full of chaos all the time. Then you have other people that kind of are drawn into that. And it all, doesn't it always seem like those are the people that the most volatile are the ones that get all the, all the freaking attention in today's world? Yeah. Because they're sound bites that people like to hear and like to understand. Yeah, well, I think that we are an emotionally charged society right now. And if you can, if you can grab somebody with emotion, it doesn't matter which way, you're very likely to have whatever reaction you want. If you want someone to be sad and you know what's going to make them sad and you want them to do something, you're going to push those buttons until you get what you want. Well, it's it's the it's a marketing gimmick that's used in every single in every news story you see. Well, and that's why I think this all, you know, your, your position, which is correct aside, I think it all ties back into everyone's understanding of self, right? So, uh, you know, originally this, I mean, this stretches from identity politics. So you can think of identitarianism, for example, which is like a really, you know, ide it's an ideology asserting the right of a European ethnic group and white peoples to Western culture and territories claimed to be exclusively to them. So you can use that as an example of the extreme here, or you could, t you know, talk about pop culture movements or theological movements even. And what I've found to be pretty interesting, as mentioned before, is over the past few decades, you know, the understanding understanding of oneself has seemed to have shifted from like my consciousness, like a, a ethereal, of, like who I am and what I am internally, um, or an understanding of, you know, uh, you know, that entity specific to, to oneself to a, uh, more of an identity focus of how do I fit in, relate to society or how is my happiness and well being affected by others verbally or physically, which is a totally different definitional change to oneself because there's those aspects of where you fit in within society and then where you are outside of society. But if they mesh together, then it becomes a convoluted weird version of pseudo self, which I think is happening all over the place. That's why you see people putting things in their Instagram profiles specifically related to certain movements. That's why you see people referring to themselves as e statements that are more like, uh, adjectives um, than actual possessive, you know, nouns and verbs. So um, with this definition, mm -hmm. with this expressive individualism, you would think, and I, I read some of the articles you read too, you would think that this is trying to uh, evolve oneself to broadcast what's inside of you to the world. Sure. To be who you truly are, right? And to, and, and it's, it's like, okay, you're again to to try to define this to make it more reasonable for people that are listening to think about you or you know you could record yourself at home i'm a duck a tape i'm a duck quack 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 that's well i wasn't going to go for the duck but, yeah but that's but i, I guess what the I'm extent saying is what that, it is but but to my point in the past when i was young you could get a tape recorder and you could record your own voice. And I will tell you this, it's very strange because the first time when I was a kid I ever heard my own voice, I went, who the hell is that? Mm -hmm. You know, and nowadays everybody's heard their own voice. Yeah. No one everybody. likes their own voice. Uh, 
Well, I kind of like mine. Uh-huh. You like your voice? I agree with that. I'm a little nasally, though. I'm like Bueller. A lot Bueller. of people don't like but, their own but, voice. But because of platforms now, because of the ability to, to synchronize your quote-unquote internal self to the rest of the world, you've, you've put a giant stereo with giant speakers on the recording you used to do just by yourself to try to understand yourself. Yeah, but that was never... So, go ahead. But, but, but my point of it is, is when you start platformizing this and you start broadcasting it, are you really, is the, are you really broadcasting yourself? Because none of these platforms is anybody real. Well, you're so what you're doing is you're giving yourself a feedback loop, and you're developing an internal personality that was never you in the first place. Well, you're and so you're expressing your individualism that isn't even you. No, we not true. I, I don't. Oh, I think that I think true. it begins. 100%. Wait, a, okay. Well, that's an absolute. Well, you um, said as not you true. said, that was pretty damn. Absolute. Mine's an absolute, but, but my, I got the right to say it. Because, my yeah. point is, I, I think you have a point there at a certain in the timeline, maybe down the line, it starts to become something else entirely. Early on though, I think people are voicing their actual opinions and then they get validation and they extrapolate that opinion out to the extreme of what the original opinion was. Um, and that's what I think the problem is because that, as you said a second ago, creates this cycle, which I think creates a social phenomena because people see power, they see um, validation, they see um, acceptance in those who are doing that and they say, well, I should do that too. And then eventually, as we've discussed before, you have an echo chamber of individuals who all believe the same thing, but would never be able to extrapolate that idea down to its original point. But that's the, that's the point I'm making. So you have this grain of truth inside of you yeah. that you believe is your truth mm-hmm. and you express it. And in the past, you express it to a small group of people yeah. of, of a tight group that you can get feedback from and develop your own personality from. And now... You just throw it out into the wind. And if you get the feedback you want, which everybody can get it if they look to the right group. Sure. You take that grain that you believe is just one little little tiny percent of your own personality and you grow it till it's 90% of your personality. And that's not really you. No. All it is is another big mask you're Well, and that's what I'm saying. So I agree with what you're saying like at the end of the, the spectrum. I'm starting at the beginning. Because if I sit down with you and I say, you know what, I believe... A, B, C, D. And then a bunch of group, like a group of people comes around me. Eventually, I'll start to believe A, B, C, D and whatever they're validating me for. So my initial point may still exist. Like a prime example is like Instagram and social media. You brought up, you know, photos of food and stuff like that and things that people do. The reason Mm -hmm. I have such a problem with that is because they're showing people, uh, what are they showing them? Not showing them food. If you want to show someone food, you would take them to a restaurant. Taking a photo of food is like, or a photo of yourself in front of a monument, like we've discussed before, is more about you than it is about the actual experience. Um, and that's a problem because you may say, well, yeah, but I wanted to show people this or I wanted to have a memory. There is truth there. I'm not saying there's not, but the other end of that argument is I want validation. And when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the original identity of self early and discussed, mm-hmm. um, you know, years ago from my interpretation, obviously this is the Wolf and Bull podcast. 60% of the time we're 100% accurate all the time, or maybe it's the other way around. Yeah, um, rather than taking on an introspective position concerning self society has seemingly taken on a socially curated, in my opinion, husk meant to define you according to the perceptions of how you should feel and think as opposed to allowing you to determine that for yourself. So if I sit down with you guys in a group of, you know, we all believe something similar and I say something and you guys all say, yeah. And then the group get lo- gets larger and you start to say, well, no. And then I adjust as we talked about when it comes to 
allowing for ideas, eventually that line of acceptance gets larger and larger and larger and gets pushed further and further back, which is why I think, back to my point, that there should be a level of non-acceptance to certain ideas because it's, it's like anything. You let one thing go, eventually someone's going to realize, well, they'll, they'll allow that. So let's push the envelope a little bit further. And the same acts in reverse. I mean, it's vice versa. It goes both ways. So there needs to be a median here. Um, but, you know, a good example of, I, I guess a good example of this would be the frequent number of individuals who choose to speak on behalf of an entire race or group, right, whether you're right. a part of that or not. Um, it's very... I find it funny that society validates that, but also gets really, really angry when any criticism is given to anybody because it's the same thing. If I support something or some group, I'm actively speaking on behalf of them. If I criticize them, I'm actively speaking on what I think should be against them. It's the same type of discussion. I'm not saying they're the same result, I'm saying that it's the same thing. They should both be accepted. If I say, I believe in this and this group should get this and we should all have this and this, or if I say, well, I believe that this group shouldn't have that and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, they're the same thing. Because you're expressing an opinion that should be accepted. And if we're going to play the game of everyone gets an opinion, then we need to have the same rules. There needs to be the same linear train of logic. I totally agree that there should be a, there should be a standard of rules. And I go back to something I said earlier, rule of law. And, you know, I, I couldn't define what the rules of law for our country is. And they're different for every country. They're different within certain regions. They're different kind of as colloquial terms for communities before there were civilized governmental agencies to enforce these things. Sure. But the reason there's things to enforce, the reason there are parameters around how fast you're supposed to drive or whether you're supposed to kill anybody or not, or whether you're supposed to pay property tax or not, or the reason there's all these parameters is to kind of define what you're able to do. How I, I I've lived in and out of HOAs. Ugh. homeowners associations we live in one now i'm not fighting anybody about it but i'm having to go through a particular process to get certain things done to my home that my logical brain i shouldn't have to get approval from anybody but i understand why they're in place because i've been outside of those hoas and i had somebody build a cardboard fence mm -hmm. around their around my uh, neighbor's property mm -hmm. and i was like what the hell yeah. you know so <coughs> I know those two things don't equate for our conversation today necessarily, but they, they mean the same thing overall. There are, there are parameters that we all collectively agree to. And if we agree to them now, and if later we get together and we vote somebody in because they want to change one of those standards, then that's the way we go about things. And, and I've said this before, I'm an incrementalist. I'm, I like to let things evolve. Mm. I'm not a burn it down and start it over kind of person because I think it's not because I think it's always wrong to do that. It's just that, I, well, maybe I do think it's always wrong to do that, but it's because I think it's the, it's the most harmful way to, to have change occur. Well, I think the, well, Bay, do you have any? Well, no. Points? Well, if you burn things down, you're going to have the most casualties. If you do things slowly, people are able to dodge out of the way, right? Or figure things out or you're, but evolve or, or just, you know, have pivot. Gas. Well, yeah. right. When you do this whole change on a dime thing, there's always going to be casualties. Well, I, think I mean there, that in a very, like mm -hmm. metaphorically. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there needs to be a median 
I think, look, I think incrementalism is fine, but the problem, and I could be wrong, maybe I'm thinking about the definition wrong, but I feel like incrementalism is another way of saying uh, slight progressivism. And not to say that progress is is bad, because it's not, but progress for the sake of progress is bad. And I think when it comes to these issues that we're facing, because of progressivism and incrementalism and this belief of redefining the wheel until it's the most perfect version of the wheel that it could ever possibly be has gotten us off a path of being able to understand why we're even doing anything. Well, there's the old adage, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. But the, I, maybe better than incrementalism is course correction. Yeah. And and the only reason you can have a course correction is if you actually know where you want to go. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's really the problem that I see that comes down to this because our focus today on this conversation is the only place someone wants to go is defining themselves. Well, it's mm-hmm. the old and I'm adage. I'm sorry, that's so selfish. Well, it's it comes down to. Well, go ahead. No, I was just I was. Well, it's the old adage: you don't know your why. So maybe exactly. the, the the world right now doesn't know its why. No, well, no, a lot I, of I disagree with that. that. A little bit, I don't agree with that. We all know what you're talking about there, but. Well, what I mean, what I mean by that is a lot of the times for past generations the why was always a religious background you know the why was the afterlife or um even or even more so uh providing for future generations and and you know fa- um generational wealth that kind of thing or the That's, right to life liberty and happiness pursuit of happiness sure and that really those three things are not necessarily as prevalent as they were just a hundred years ago. Think about why they're not though. I know why they're not in this country. I know exactly why they're not because why Why do you think? Well, it's exactly what we're talking about. I mean, expressive individualism tends to use, utilize the concept of the wills. So these individuals will come together in collaboration to pursue mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial ends and separate when such goals are reached or abandoned. So rather than saying, you know, we have an end goal that is going to be consistent or a, a moral outlook that will stay consistent, it's a, we're going to do something until we get something and then we're done. And that's fine, but not to the hyper extreme that we are experiencing today. And I think people see in a lot of way, and I'm broad stroking here, so please bear mm-hmm. with me. People see in a lot of ways, um, and when I say I disagree with the why perspective, it's not that I don't disagree with what you're saying. I disagree with it, the fact that a lot of people don't know their why. I think there's a good amount of people who understand what their why is and they execute it perfectly. And that's why we have the problems. If your why is to create confusion, they're doing a really good job. They've been doing a really good job for a long time. And mm-hmm. it, and when it comes to you know, uh, encountering one another as adversaries when it comes to these groups, who must struggle to overbear one another in order to achieve their self-defined and self-defining objectives. Um, they're, you know, accordingly, according to, you know, anthropology of expressive individualism, they're elevating the principles of autonomy and self-determination above other competing values in the hierarchy of ethical goods, such as beneficence, justice, dignity, and equality. So what I mean by that is if you know that the end goal of your purpose as a collective group is to destroy something, you know your why. If you know what the end goal, I mean, we know what the end goal of America is, the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's literally what it says. I mean, we have a full uh, 250-year-old document that tells us what it is. And the fact that people are no longer considering it important because it's just not in vogue tells me that they're suffering from, uh, what is it, shiny object syndrome, Mm -hmm. than they are from actually adhering to principles that have worked, that have in, in all of human history been better than any other option yet. 
And people, they look at that yet as the thing that should be paid attention to instead of the beginning of the sentence. Well, maybe know your non-nefarious why is a better way to put it. Because uh, yeah. what you're going back to is kind of what we were talking about a little bit with chaos. You've got people that, that they have a, a viewpoint of life. <coughs> Excuse me, a viewpoint of life. Maybe defined by their self. Maybe defined by their collective of other people in their, in their echo chamber that says, this is what we think we want. And they want that chaos. They want some type of anarchy in their life to justify the fact that they have nothing else going on. Because our society does not want for a damn thing. It, we, we can say what we want, but this, this whole thing today is, is a, a thought experiment. That's what it say is. It's more of a social is, phenomenon. But, but this was put together by an academician. Oh, yes, yeah. That, that decided, I'm going to take, and psychology is such a wonderful and such a harmful thing. Because it's so broad, it cannot have, it cannot have the kind of parameters around it that we would like to have. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're redefining everything every day in psychology, right? So psychology is as broad as every single human mind. Well, the guy who wrote this, like what we're referencing, is not an, a psychologist. He's a he's a theologian. Yeah, and yeah, and that's and the, fine. But, but there's my, a difference. But, but what I'm saying, and I'm not anti what he said. Yeah, Matter sure. of fact, most of the most of the part of the article that I read for him. I kind of went, oh, okay, you know, he's got some really valid kind of issues around why we're heading the way we are mm-hmm. and everything like that, and and I can appreciate that, but but it's a it's an exercise in elitism as a country, sure, because if if we were worried about you know the loaf of bread on our our table tomorrow, we wouldn't be worried about this. Well, and the people that are causing the anarchy you're talking about and causing the disruption. Want that creating the chaos as the end result? They might want that, but they don't understand what they no, want. No, I think they do. No, they understand they do. it. You yeah, really think they I, I want do. nothing? No, 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 no. It's they not want that nothing. No, it's they not, want the zombie apocalypse. It's not that they want nothing. It's that the people who are pulling the strings want those people to think that they want nothing. It's like when uh, it's it's like what I said in the last few podcasts: the destructionism ideology. We can talk about how all these things are being, you know reduced to their absolute worst qualities throughout society because they are you look at theology when someone says oh we shouldn't take theologians seriously because you know christianity is bigoted and people make decisions that are are stupid and they don't want me to live my life and all that and to some degree that could be true but at the same time if you take away that structure within society then you have a whole issue when it comes to moral morality and perceptions of morality and rules and governing law and all these different things now i'm not saying that the large group that's voting for it is saying or, or, or rallying for it's probably a better term um i'm not saying that they want nothing i'm saying that they have been convinced in a deceptive manner to want nothing and I, and the reason i say that i mean you look at look at for example uh look at college you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, of dollars for a piece of paper. That piece of paper is worth nothing. Absolutely worth nothing. It is total, it's a total lie that that education is equivalent to the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, people will say, well, you have different choices. That is true. But at the end of the day, the amount of people that I've discussed, and this is availability bias, so I'll accept that, but the amount of people that I've had that conversation with who are successful and not successful say the same exact thing. It doesn't matter to me. Hasn't changed the outcome of what my, 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 work, my work has given me. Now, it may say the opportunities, but that isn't really that true. I, it's know, all, I know people that are on the other spectrum of that, but they're sure. specialists. They're specialists, and that's and, different. And there's, so I, I would say that, that education-wise, and I come from a family of academicians, as you know, mm-hmm. and heck, one of my nicknames 
is kind of around that. But yeah. but the the fact of the matter is, is I think a certain level of academics is exactly the way you're talking about. Sure. And part of that has changed because we're in a society that is all about information now. And you can learn as much listening to the wolf and bull as you can going to college in some states. Well, even without but, that, I think... But, yeah, I, I think joke. it was. Come on, it was good. Come on, we got to have a little good. levity here. It was good. Right. No, I liked Thank it you very yeah. much. You're yeah. back on my bully pulpit. It was a good one. That see, yeah, yeah there you go. I finally yeah. understood. We had to bring what that you're one saying, back. Right? Yeah, the palate cleanser. Well, <laughs> uh, look, exactly. and here's the problem with this discussion. As I said a little bit ago, is and as you just said, it. I don't think that it's depressing, but it comes off as depressing. Um, it's like discussing um, like terminal illness with somebody who may have terminal illness. The answer is not to you know, cut corners with them. It's to be honest. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to college, I'm not saying that it's useless. I'm saying 90% of the degrees are useless. The 10% that are specialist. Yeah. We need doctors. We need lawyers. Well, not really. We don't really need lawyers as much as we used to, <laughs> but we need doctors. We need people who understand specific things. The other 90% is a big fucking lie. And, and people to, and the reason I say that it is, is because a lot of the work that I see people do don't require degrees. And hiring someone because they showed up for four years to party and get drunk does not mean that they're a good worker. Well, yeah, now you're talking about my college experience. That's everyone's college experience. <laughs> no, it's not. That Most. wasn't my college I mean, experience. You know, the, okay. The, here's here's what people. I believe, though. There's there's it, going back to individual expressionism or whatever we call it today. Expressive individualism. I knew it was like that. The interchangeable. Yeah. If I went to college, if I went to further <laughs> yeah. college, I don't know. Yeah, you should have gotten but smarter. I, I think. I think part of part of that, part of going to university in general or taking additional classes or going to a trade school is getting yourself patterned into, into something that you want to be able to do to be able to overcome certain obstacles, et cetera. Now, whether it's worth the money, I really agree with you there because you know what I have, right? A geophysics degree. Mm -hmm. With that Hmm. being said, with that being said, I think that there are three things that people should pay attention to there. You said, you said university, you said trade school. And what was the third one? It was a, I don't know. Well, University and trade school, two different things. Yeah, university and trade school, not equivalent. I I know they're not equivalent, but I'm I'm, I'm saying there's pushing yourself is part of this. I understand. Now it's turned into something different. It in higher education in general, we could matter of fact, we probably should have like multiple podcasts about higher education. Again, I think the problem though is we're talking about education. We're not talking about college, or we're talking about college. We're not talking about education. Sorry, flip that around. Education is something that is innately personal. I am conflating so, the two. I understand, and I'm not. I'm not criticizing. I'm saying that I think society is conflating the two. They can they conflate university education with an actual education. Most of the stuff that people learn in college, they are not going to retain. And the reason I say that is because most of it's baloney. It's bunk. Like, and and the reason I say that is because most of it is learned on the fly at an actual job. Like you can, you can skip all those classes and learn them doing things uh, most people learn by doing. And, and, and that's probably a broad stroke, but I know a lot of people who do vast majority of society does. And I, I guess my, I don't want to make this about college or university. My qualm is that the lie that has been sown within our, our, our society specifically is the lie that in order to be successful, you need to have a degree. That's a lie. 100% is a lie. No, I, I mean, honestly, most people that I know think that getting the degree is just a function of ticking off a box required for some career path. But you didn't go to college in the early 2000s, and there's a difference. 
Every counselor I had a conversation with said, you have to go to college. You have to get a degree well, in order to be they're successful. They're incented to do that. Yeah, but that's lying. Why? That, that's my I, whole point. But, but is, we can, if we really want to go down this road, let's talk about general business and capitalism and, and all the, the dynamics around that in general, mm -hmm. because that's, that's where we go with this. But we're not. We're talking about yeah. expressive individualism today. And one of the places that people learn a lot of their expressive individualism is university. is university. Yes. And there's a lot of negative we could say about that. Well, and the, the real problem back to expressive individualism is it, it ensures that ethical structure, social relationships and laws specifically of America are going to change significantly. Um, so not in accordance with a moral or logical position, but within in accordance with what the whole of society deems appropriate, kind of similar to mob rule, whether it protects the individual or not. So that's the funny caveat with expressive individualism is being an expressive individualist, you might believe in the rights of the individual as long as those rights of individualism coalesce with your own personal beliefs. If they don't, then you throw that idea of individualism because that's a separate view out the window, which is weird. It's a little contradiction there that mm -hmm. I've noticed. Hmm. Now, you know, some of these beliefs um, as examples, um, and this is kind of where intersectionality arises. Um, and for those who don't know, intersectionality is the acknowledgement that everyone has their own unique experiences of discrimination and oppression, and we must consider everything and anything that can marginalize people, gender, race, class, sexual orientation, physical ability, etc. And in doing that, you create a very unique category of people who believe in doing that type of thing from a moral perspective of we need to think of all the specific instances in which someone could be discriminated against but we should also be able to discriminate against people that disagree with us because that allows us to fulfill our ultimate ideal of individual attainment and happiness. It's a, it's a clusterfuck of a circular belief. You know, it's interesting to me because you're talking about individual belief systems and, and the, this, this identification of yourself or this growth and evolving of yourself and, and broadcasting it to the world and, and, and looking down this intersectionality pathway, right? But what's been happening of late, especially when you look at the, the, the cadre of f figures or uh, collective groups under the banner of anything. all these letters, right? Letters or anything, and asterisks really. and everything else. What it become, and, and they don't all agree with each other by no. any stretch of the imagination. If you, if you get into the, the viewpoints of all these different letters and in, in, well, I want to make sure I want to make it clear before you, you say we're not specifically just talking about them because intersectionality not, here's, can cross. Here's my, here's my point that I'm going yeah. to, though, because we've always been we've always been a collection of groups, mm -hmm. tribes. Right. And so so if and, and to visualize this, this is m the way my mind works. Right. I talked about Venn diagrams earlier, but let's talk about the mean. Right. Let, so if you were to look at a plot of groups sure and you would see this this uh um, line which is the median of all these groups which is this here is this belief system and you have these outliers on either side of this this median line and some of those some of those outliers are collected in certain areas that are higher some of them are collected in certain areas that are lower based on whatever you know key performance indicators we're talking about or whatever whatever things we're, we're trying to define and what's happening now is a few of the outliers have stuck themselves together in a group and said as a group we're trying to move that median in our direction until that goal is fulfilled 
but in when it is, you know what happens? We're still all a bunch of the same groups. It's now the median has been moved away from legitimately where it's been for years and years and years and years and mm-hmm. years. Well, so the question is, is not only why do we do that, but what are the ramifications of that? Well, and because the medium means that's the majority. You can't falsely move the median away from it and expect it not to rebound. Yeah, I, I think that you've got a point there. I think the 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 follow up to that is those in those groups, be it left, right, middle, anything. What they've realized is by pushing the envelope, they can eventually get what they want and solidify that so that the median stays. Um, where they left it. I mean, it's like with anything. It's like when it comes to policy or any rules or decisions, it's very hard to remove something once it's been put into right. place. And they realize the rubber this. band, it never re- recoils. To exactly. The so whether the median accepts it or not, that's, that is what it is. Like if you're rallying for something, very rarely, if you get what your goal is, once you break part and these, these activist groups and these groups, any group really, cause I don't want to, I don't want to specifically it's, just, it's any group. It's I'm just literally any group. It's a very, and, and this, this specific ideology of expressive individualism is cross spectrum it is across the board it is within theologies which i think specifically stems from eastern religions and the conflation of you know um different religions into one because people like to pick and choose um it it stretches across politics with the extremes of both ends and no one being able to you know discuss anything in the middle and actually compromise which is the whole purpose of our fucking government um unless you know they compromise on the dl while something like you know a war in a specific country is going on and no one talks (laughs) about what the policies are being put um, or you know even with small you know minority groups or majority groups it's the same type of strategy and it works that's why people do it but there's a problem there because what we're doing rather than paying attention to what the overall initial harmonization of our society is which is like I said before the pursuit of life liberty and the, the idea of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness along with all the other constitutional mm-hmm. ideals um, and the Bill of Rights and all that rather than doing that we're pushing the envelope so far and starting to reject those ideas inadvertently. And I know this conflicts with a little bit of what I said earlier in the very beginning about canceling people and not allowing for certain things. But I do believe that the founding fathers, when they created certain things in their countries would have openly rejected a lot of what's going on today, mm-hmm. like adamantly. And the reason I say that is because a lot of it is the same abuse that happened when they decided to f- become terrorists against the British empire. Well, there's the eventuality of this though, right? Because that's what happens. Things sure. go, societies rise, and there's a reason they fall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they fall because they get too introspective as a society, and they try to to grow their individual expressionism in directions that don't make sense for the society as a whole, and it fractures a society. And I think that's what I believe is so dangerous about what's going on today. Are we at a tipping point? I don't know. Time only tells these things. Well, I think... Well... Go ahead. No, I I would agree. I mean, if you do any sort of looking into the Roman Empire and how it fell, it didn't fall overnight. It fell over a period of time, slowly. About five. And it was a... It was a And it really wasn't their enemies, right? It was from within. It was within. From within. And it was a series of decisions that were made and public opinion being solidified and, and majority rule type thing. And it... It ate itself alive. Which, interestingly enough, history of um, expressive individualism is quite unique because America was founded during the Enlightenment period. 
and correct me if I'm wrong, after the Enlightenment period was the Romantics period. And a big part of that was uh, when it comes to, you know, specific ideologies was popularized, at least with expressive individualism, with people like Rene Descartes. Um, you know, his principle of radical doubt and proposal of psychological self-awareness as a ground of certainty um, was definitely a part of it. Same with uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Rousseau yeah. um, his basic idea, and this is from uh, Truman's article, um, I believe I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that human beings are born free and innocent, but have their moral senses distorted by society. They have proved influential in both political and educational theory. Um, And also Rousseau's focus on sentiments or what we might call emotional instincts as vital to a proper moral sense grants significant authority to feelings in terms of how human beings understand their own identity. And also his appeal to listen to uh, his appeal to listen to the unspoiled inner voice of nature is an appeal to allow our instincts to define who we are. This anticipates um, in significant ways the modern expressive individual. Now the problem is the Enlightenment period rejected that ideology prior to Romanticism. It was very much about morality. It was very much about the structure of, you know, trying to be a better version of the ultimate version of what humanity could be in the sense of, you know, rigidity when it comes to morals, when it comes to principles, when it comes to um, things like honor, when it comes to things Mm -hmm. like honesty and truth, the pursuit of truth was a big aspect of the enlightenment period. And we've talked about this in other episodes and that's why I've kind of been on board with it because we need to have something like that come back. Think about the name enlightenment and then romanticism, right? Banked up against each other like that. It's almost, it's almost a certainty that these things happen in conjunction with each other. Because they're the pendulum swinging is what it is. Well, they're is, fighting. Right? They're, they're in contradiction. Exactly. They're, they're, they're two ends of that pendulum, right? They're two, two sides of that. Well, the problem with romanticism in a lot of ways, and there's problems with enlightenment. I don't want to discount. Oh, there's problems with everything. Yeah. Specifically, though, with romanticism, you know, it attacked traditionalist ideas such as, you know, an institutionalized theology or, you know, monogamy, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these ideals will see, were seen as representative of heteronomous I probably said that wrong um, hindrances to the happiness of the individual. So rather than having some sort of structure and control, they said, well, you know, fuck all that. We don't need any level of social structure. We should pursue what makes us happy. Now there was a consistent shift towards that ideology, such as, you know, towards an ideology, such as expressive individualism that guides the individual into choosing who they are via a new identity, no matter true or not. So this has been around for a long time and it was popularized by Descartes and Rousseau mm-hmm. and a lot of the romantics. And there's some other ones. I think Immanuel Kant was, Kant mm-hmm. was another one. Um, and this makes the ultimate goal of expressive individualism that of personal gratification to the individual, as opposed to upholding oneself to the needs of those around you. Now, interesting well, little caveat, and I'll let you go ahead and go. go ahead. Uh, interesting caveat about that. People will look at the last two years and be like, well, yeah, but we rejected all that. Well, not really, because um, it was. It, we talk about <laughs> there was this this needs of s- supporting everyone else around you at the expense of the individual rights of someone else, which at the core root of it is expressive individualism, because you're throwing out the the very in core belief of what our society is based around is the rights of the individual, mm-hmm. and by rights we mean things that you do not tread on. Isn't that isn't that strange? It's too? hilarious because you you were you were saying I as an individual am mm-hmm. going to take the collective experience and force you to believe that my individual perception on this is the right one. And of course, I believe that my individual perception on this is actually the collective one, which means you must believe in it, must obey it, or Mm -hmm. we're going to mandate otherwise. Life is like an onion, as Donkey said to Shrek. There's many layers. And Shrek said it to Donkey. Shrek said it to Donkey. Well, you know better than (laughs) that. I'm like an onion, Donkey. 
Um, so at the end of the day, you know, rather than being free with the social agreement to band together when times request, the expressive individual, as discussed a second ago, sees that as an antagonist to their own goal, which created an odd, like I said a second ago, cognitive dissonance. It's it's very see, strange. See, I believe the romanticists of that time period you're talking about, Rousseau and the others, were, were not trying to change society Mm-mm. as a whole the no. way things are happening today. I think they were... They were simply looking at things and saying, "Hey, get in touch with yourself, man." Well, yeah, they were they were like uh, Yanni. Well, they also <laughs> for today. Yeah, Yanni. No, Yanni. Yanni. Who's well, Yanni? I don't know who Yanni is. Oh, um, well, I know who Yennefer is. Uh, yeah, Yennefer yeah. is uh, from. My name's my the name's, Witcher. My name's Geralt. I'm the Geralt Witcher. The Witcher. I kill monsters. That's such a good show. <laughs> uh, Henry Cavill. I'm Henry Cavill. I, I have no I emotional. I hope he ends up being better known for the witcher than he is for oh he's a better yeah he's way better as witcher he's Um, great as the witcher he's great um and look i I think what's interesting though is romantics still adhered to some moral belief within nature right so there was still some morality they didn't have this and this is uh, interesting as you know progressive individualism moves through historical context it is weird how it changes because originally romanticism even though it kind of rejected the ideals ideals of the enlightenment it still had that you know society people as a whole through in nature have a moral innate good within them mm-hmm. which expressive individualism rejects entirely um and you know the culmination of various ideologies associated with this is really a problem because it removes any form of rationalized discussion as i said you know people don't come to the table to talk about this um any form of opposition real or fake is seen as a direct attack on the ideology or the expressive individual simply because their identity is a culmination of what they have chosen to make their goal as ultimate happiness since the only end goal is personal gratification and thus true realization this type of thinking establishes a victim versus the collective mentality explaining ideas such as words are violence, anti-racist, if you're not with us, you're part of the problem, and the rise in popularity of activist movements among millennial and Zoomer generations. Interesting topic on the activism part of things. Activism about 40 or 50 years ago meant that you actually got involved in the organization, you left to go wherever the problem was. Now it just entails going on Instagram. That's not activism. That's slacktivism. But people see that as activism because it's the very bare minimum that they can do in order to fulfill the identity that they've chosen not to have because their identity is fulfilled within problems within the world rather than themselves. That's why we have that problem with oneself because self is no longer well, realized the same way. Before and, and with with some of the, the very loud voices are out there that, that want to take on world-bending issues, right? Yeah. But they can't, you know, they can't find their own, you know, self-worth first. And I, I think that's that's one of the things that I think people should grab onto and really latch onto and say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to define who I am as a person. I don't care if it, you call it expressive individualism or not, but we're going to understand who I am first before I decide to take on somebody else's bullshit. You know, put on your own mask first, as they say on the airplane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in addition to, you know, some of the, um, you know, mentions that we had earlier you know expressive individualism also focuses on the social imaginary or uh, a set of values institutions and laws you know and symbols through which people imagine their social whole um and some of the notable quotes on the social imaginary include uh john thompson uh he believed that the social imaginary is the creative and symbolic dimension of the social world the dimension through which humans create their ways of living together and their ways of representing their collective life uh, Manfred Steger and Paul Jones also stated that the imaginaries are patterned convocations of a social whole. These deep-seated modes of understanding provide largely pre-reflexive parameters within which people imagine their social existence, expressed, for example, in conceptions of the global, the national, or 
the moral order of our time. Um, I'm not suggesting that the social imaginary is technically bad, but it's just uh, people abuse it for power Think purposes. About the word though. Yeah. Imaginary. And the social imaginary. How about we talk about the social real? Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not saying these people are completely wrong. I'm not. Psychology is a very interesting thing because I, I think you can bend, bend around every corner. It's, it's like, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, technologies now where you can put on, uh, what was the Harry Potter uh, blanket he put on and you, could, you couldn't see him Invisibility anymore? Invisibility That stuff is actually real and it's, it's a, a way of bending light around certain things. Yeah. Well, psychology can bend light around any freaking thing it wants to because it can come up with this new idea that, that can bend the, the psychological will of a group or a person or whatever around this dynamic. And it, I mean, Freud was one of the, the, the biggest people in the world to talk about. Yeah. Hey, everything's about your mother and everything's about sex. Well, interestingly enough, Oh my God. Well, you interesting put those together. And you're like, what? No, no. Well, that interestingly right. enough is he played a pivotal part in all this. Um, same with, you know, Frederick Nietzsche, Karl Marx, Charles Darwin. I think that a lot of their, their ideas um, and positions there have, there's validity within them, but they're also taken to the exact extreme. The only person I would say I absolutely reject there is probably Karl Marx. Um, but I mean, in the 19th century, Nietzsche, Marx, and Charles Darwin, they all played a significant role in establishing the notion that human nature doesn't have moral structure. So that's expounding upon romanticism, but getting rid of the moral absolution part of it. That's why we went from human nature to human civilization. Yeah. Because human civilization has structure. Human nature does not. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what separates us. We can talk about the soul. We can talk about our uh, self-awareness and all the different things that, that cause us to be different than other animals, though they're doing experiments now that say other animals have some, some form of self-awareness and things. So, but we won't even touch that for today. But yeah. the fact is, is that's, that's the problem with a lot of these people, the way they think. You can't, you can have no structure, mm-hmm. but you're doomed to a terrible existence without structure of some kind. Well, and that's the unfortunate part about these is specifically within university. And I've experienced this personally, I'm sure, you know, Bay and, you know, Bull, you've experienced it as well. But you look at Nietzsche, for example, I mean, his whole idea was that, you know, the practice, he argued that the practical elimination of God and metaphysics by, I think, Immanuel Kant, as I mentioned before, rendered morality groundless. So morality was a confidence trick played by one group in society to disempower another. Okay, Meaning, so let's say it is. Let's say it is. For the sake of this argument, morality is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then does anything matter? No. And that's okay, the... so, so how is our existence, how do we calculate that as human beings if nothing fucking matters? Well, and that's the whole... The only the thing that matters is your pleasure. Well, and that's... Yeah. Exactly. And that's the problem with all this is because the answer is never really given. Like Nietzsche, like with psychology, look, the problem I have with psychology, as you said, it's a very fungible... Mm-hmm. entity like people can say something and posit something and never provide an answer to it and it can be taken as absolute truth like with Karl Marx I mean he was a critic of capitalism in the early stages of capitalism and he was fundamentally wrong about almost everything he said because he thought that capitalism would fail and fall in upon itself and it hasn't um, and you know he saw morality specifically in relation to morality um, as a means by which the dominant class preserved the social and economic status quo and that's his own power he was also you know a giant ass asshole in my opinion but conflate those two which are both taught to high extent in university and you get a very bleak view of the world in which everyone who is in a power position no matter what it is unless it's your own power position because it's an expression is individualism you can't possibly be wrong but anyone who is against you is now the enemy of apps well, to the absolute the, nth the degree. funny thing about what he's talking about there though is any 
let's say there's there's let's say we're in a different world entirely and, and the last thousand years came up in a in a was for Constantine wasn't around there wasn't these other things happening mm-hmm. and we we all grew up in a place that that valued these five things higher than the certain five things we value high today yeah well uh, the people that are in power would would mark those values and capture those ones because power is something that that we we as a species try to forget our species any species you look at out there has structure mm-hmm. all of them have a, a hierarchy. hierarchy of some kind yeah. so what they do is they focus that hierarchy around the value items in whatever their hierarchy is if it's bees it's that hive right yeah but it's the pr- well, go ahead. The problem, though, is that those, and this is where I have my qualms with Charles Darwin, right? Because I'm not not saying that I don't think we have a common ancestor amongst amongst apes. I think there is truth there. Um, but he also, by distinguishing that, he basically stated that the distinction between, as you're saying right now, the difference between humans and other animals uh, is not is minimal. So he's denying that human beings exist for any cosmological reason. Um, or purpose or end and turning morality into the ra- rationalization of behaviors that serve to preserve the species, which has some truth there, but taking it to its absolute extreme, I think also totally throws out morality and cult and, and traditionalism and any views that help society stay in place outside of a giant blob of chaos. Look, civilizations for as long as there have been able to be civilizations mm-hmm. have taken certain things to justify their place mm-hmm. in the world in their existence to understand why they are more than hunters and gatherers, why they've established relationships with others, why they're able to exchange things of different value. They have, they've created these things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't mean those things actually existed beforehand. So if, if they did or they did not, we're not able to answer that. We're able to take a quote unquote leap of faith Mm -hmm. and we're able to put a word against that as morality or religion or whatever you want to call these these items over here but those were those were words and ideas that were formed after we saw a period of time of existence of a civilization that created a framework for us we have to define Which, our framework it's but, it's just like looking up at the sky if you were a nomad yeah. in the, you know hundreds of thousands of years ago and going those things are alive up there yeah, but they the must di- be but the difference in, in times change and we change our belief systems to accommodate sure. what we see but that doesn't mean those stars weren't always there. Yeah, and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not implying that. I'm saying that these viewpoints of Nietzsche and Marx and Darwin collectively absolutely reject morality. the idea of morality. And in order for a society to exist, it has, it has to, to be to moral. That's what I'm saying. Um, and yeah, and so, and as you, and strange enough, you mentioned Freud. He also played a part too. And these people, again, are like the four most discussed, in my opinion, people within university. I've heard more about any of them than any other pivotal individuals. Um, you know, Freud moved the needle on those beliefs in the 20th century. So all that happened in the 19th century. In the 20th century, Freud moved it a little bit further. And as you said, you know, he saw the inner psychological space as rooted in dark and irrational forces of human sexual desire, which began not at puberty, but in infancy, which explains a lot of the discussions today. Um, this was a remarkable shift from sex being something that humans do to something that human beings are. Um, this shift laid the conceptual foundation for the sexual identity politics that we have today. Um, and, you know, Carl Truman from the article that we're referencing, 
Um, he stated that the modern expressive individual is also the modern sexualized individual with both self-expression and notions of human happiness and flourishing defined in, ter- defined in terms that give a significant place to sex. So this explains that small outcry from a very small, but of extremely loud group of today in today's times when anything related to sex or gender becomes part of the public discourse mm-hmm. rather than being able to separate it as the topic that it is, they create it as an identity and it becomes an open attack upon them. Um, Due to the modern degradation and removal of traditional values within pop culture, like the nuclear family or patriotism, religion, all these different views, um, you know, they it, it basically has created a constant shift um, mm-hmm. to that expressive individual ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, all these so. all these four people that you're talking about, and, and uh, Bale, you can interrupt me anytime. I tend to to no, talk sorry. over a little bit too much. It's I'm used to being you know head of the herd. Mm. as it were it's all so good. Uh, the center of the pack well that would be you all right i'm the herd remember. gotcha right. but, but well you can identify as a pack but, if you want but to. any event I, I i can see the arguments that these individuals put together you know darwin's evolutionary process you can see in in different species how adaptation allowed the ability to to live on islands and live over different uh, um, in in the water, in the in the air, in in on the land, all these different things that have occurred over over millennia, of, you know, millions and millions of years. Actually, you can see that. You can see, you know, Karl Marx's argument about uh, it with Kant and everybody talking about how moral uh, the moral view of things is just a construction. And I I would agree that it's a construction, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's like the star thing I was talking about, yeah. right? It, it's got to be a construction because we develop into it. And then, then as far as us being, uh, you know, a, a, you know, homo sapiens and we're, a, we're involved in our, you know, we want to progress our, our lineage, mm-hmm. right? So that, what is that about? Procreation. What is sure. that about? That's sex. Now, this whole thing from infancy, I haven't read enough Freud to know what the hell he's talking about there, but he was kind of obsessed Right, he was really obsessed. He's also wrong about a lot. He, he certainly was, and he's been debunked over time on certain things, and then rebunked, if that's such a word, I don't know. But which it, it go ahead. But I'm I'm just saying that that these things are interesting and have their their space within the platform of discussion for today and for for many 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 years to come. But the idea that these kind of things focus into expressive individualism. Is I still I still circle back to this narcissistic view mm-hmm. of individuals in our society today that have lost their way. I don't. I, I feel that's part of this. Now I'm not trying to feel bad for people, and I think some people know there's a way, and they lose their way on purpose because of chaos and all the different things we've talked about. But I I just I'm frustrated because discourse should be had. I don't care if you're want to express your individualism i don't care if you believe in a deity or not i don't mm-hmm. think i don't care if you believe you're the deity or not mm. i really don't see but i i i have <laughs> i can't i have a hard problem i have a, t- a problem with that um and not in the sense that they can't believe those things but in the sense that those are contradictory parties they're conflicting if you say you know people have lost their way I can't say that they have because the people have taught them. They've been taught by somebody. 
And a lot of these ideas exist because they've been taught, even though those people have been found to be wrong about a lot of things. Society okay. is losing its way. Yeah, but that? you can say that in the broad scheme of things. But at the end of the day, in order for us to solve these problems, they have to come back down, ironically enough, to the individual, right? So when it comes to not really caring about what someone believes or says, we can say that tongue-in-cheek, but in order for something to continue to exist at an operating level that's healthy and, and functional and people have public discourse, we have to care about what they think. And that's ironically the argument that people are making on one end as opposed to the other. It's very odd because one group of small, loud minority has found out that to be the truth and then the other is kind of like, oh, I guess. Okay, maybe, maybe my... I'm not. I'm not criticizing. Is wrong. Yeah, I'm not criticizing. I, I, no, that's okay. Criticize away. I, I said I didn't care, and that wasn't stated correctly. Of course, I care. Mm -hmm. I'm a caring person in general, but my point is, is I I don't um, denigrate a person. You don't impose. Well, no, I I do impose. Okay, I impose through action. Sure, as it really should be, mm -hmm. because I'm right and everybody else is wrong anyway. But <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Thank you very much for mm -hmm. catching that one. But my, my my point is I don't denigrate anybody. I do care. I certainly care that they they should at some way, shape, or form be able to change their mind or understand more fully a broader spectrum of things, whether they change it or not. Yeah. Well, and and again, this is a really complicated topic. They all are. Because it's it's... At the end of the, I got it at the end of the day. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. Here, here's the real thing, though. Yeah, you do understand that I've been messing with you for years now. In what color am I actually wearing? Red. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, your colored. eyes are red too, which is weird. Wolves are colored. Um, well, maybe they're gray. Um, yeah, I just, it's hard to have this discussion today because people have been socially. They have been, in a lot of ways, socially programmed to believe certain things. Um, not in the sense that they shouldn't believe those things, but in the sense that they have to phrase them in such a way in order for it to be digestible. And that creates a major chasm within the social public disc within public discourse in general that doesn't allow for people to be clear and concise it allows for certain people to be clear and concise and for certain people to have to couch things and that's not conducive to a healthy environment Agreed. it creates a, a victimhood mentality which is popularized across the board and look i'm not to say that there aren't victims out there but it's one thing to be an actual victim and it's another thing to ride off the coattails of victimhood two different things and, um, you know, from Truman's article, which I don't think I ever said his first name, Carl Truman, um, you know, his art, art, a good explanation, I guess, that can summarize a lot of this is expressive individualism ultimately culminates in uh, the conception of victimhood, which fuels, you know, obviously has fueled the current ident identity politics issue um, where socially constructed categories of identity, e.g. race, disability, gender, detached from sex bodies are connected to psychological core. And at the end of the day, if you have something like that, it allows for a very wide ranging, fluid and arguably subjective notion of what is and is not oppressive with the discussion often focused on language and representation in the media, education and the arts. This helps explain, you know, assaults on traditional notions, as we've discussed broadly in this podcast, um, you know, academic freedom, uh, literary canons and the general shape and content of class curriculum, all of which are now often seen as a means by which marginalized identities are excluded from the mainstream, which 
I don't think that's not true, but I think the opposite extreme that we're taking is also incorrect. <laughs> Sorry, the way you said that was so confusing to me. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is it's, no. it's, it's a very confusing... Well, here's the thing. They'll say that, and then they'll latch onto the extreme of, well, everything's against the marginalized individual, but the alternative is also incorrect. You can't have... There has to be a middle ground where we can accept and say, this is definitely a marginalization, but... If we take that as the only position, then we're marginalizing other individuals. Is that a better way of saying it? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just creates contradictions. We, we talked about the median earlier, right? And I'm I'm not one to believe that we're even. You know, some people would listen to what we just talked about and think that I'm all for just sticking with the conservative median that we have right now in society. I'm not about that at all. I'm really not. I'm just about looking at it very logically in moving in really concise directions that don't apply victimhood to people, but apply the ability for open dialogue and conversation. Because mm-hmm. that's what's missing today. Well, and this idea that the, the most important conversation you have is with your self-righteous self is just dead wrong. Yeah. And well, that's if you have uh, if you're hearing something you don't like and you have the power to shut it down because you don't like it and you don't want to hear something that makes you feel a certain way as we've been seeing you just get shut down. Well, I'll do the the classical libertarian take on things. I believe that we should be allowed to do a lot of things. That is my position on almost anything. We should have the freedom to do certain things as long as our freedom to do certain things does not infringe upon the freedoms of other individuals to do certain things within the moral code that was formally adhered to by the Constitution and by years, hundreds of years of what has been found to be right and wrong to our socialized civil society. And when people say, well, that's that's racist, or that's this, or that's that, no, it's not. And the reason I say that is because if this wasn't the best way to live, we wouldn't be living this way. We'd be living a different way. If it was better to kill and murder people all the time, that's what we'd be doing. And comparatively, there are degradations and there are differences between cultures and societies that should be listened to and should be adhered to, but there also is, in some contexts, better ways to do things. That has been shown significantly in a lot of different areas. Prime way, prime example that's not offensive, internet. It's the best way of communication. If it wasn't, we'd still be using you know, fire and doves, mm-hmm. which, and, you know, even though we can't visualize it right now, something better's on the way. Well, let's hope so. It is. NFTs. Yeah. Non-fungible tokens. By no, the way, no. Wolf. It's non-fungible truths. Wow. Wow. Offered uh, by the Wolf and Bull podcast for four easy payments of nineteen ninety five ninety five. We will offer you your own non-fungible truths, starting with the first iteration called, uh, I don't know, Don't in Murder. In a little wolf doll. Yeah. A little wolf doll. Only be. if you have the code from episode. Are you ever going to tell three. what it is? You well, have to say it, it. As soon as somebody gets it right. As soon as somebody gets it right. Do you know what it is, baby? You got to go back and listen. I'm not going to be the one to say this. It's not going to be me. No. (laughs) This is not going to be a a witch hunt. This is not going to be a Where's Waldo for Wolfie, okay? It's a werewolf hunt. Where's Wolfie Waldo? It's not going to happen. No, it's too much work. I have too much going on. 
I don't really, I mean, obviously there's not a really good way to wrap this up because it's such an ethereal discussion and there's not really an answer for expressive individualism or the problem of it outside of establishing what you believe in adherence to history to be true. I mean, I think that's really the only way to approach this. Um, obviously there's pitfalls and caveats with that. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I really wish, don't know. I wish that I had looked up the quote from Jack Handy. You know who I'm talking about? I have no idea who you're talking to. Should oh, you look you it up so we can a, end it? Because that was a I, really I, awkward pause. I, <laughs> the quote from Jack Candy. No, not Candy. Handy. Jack, Jack Handy. Handy? What is he, Jack a porn Handy. star? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you had to go there. What see? Is, see, Freud was right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Thanks, Freud. Jack Handy. Jack Handy. H-A-N-D-Y. Hansy. Jack Hansy. SNL. From SNL. Do you know this quote? He wrote Deep Thoughts? Yes. Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy is a website. We'll just read one. Okay. Just any Jack Handy quote. They'll all be the same. Deep Thought of the Day. This is a whole website. Oh, it's a video. Don't play the video. Play no, we can't do that. No, can't do that. We'll just say, just, here. just Google well, Jack Handy. I mean, Jack Handy, <laughs> deep thoughts, no, and look it, at the images. It, it, he he would do these things, and and he was very self. He was, um, he was trying to better himself psychologically. So he'd look in the mirror and he'd talk to himself. Deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Back when SNL was funny, it was. Yeah, it, I never watched it anymore, but it was very funny. Is there anything more beautiful than a beautiful, beautiful flamingo flying across in front of a beautiful sunset, and he's carrying a very beautiful rose in his beak, and also he's carrying a very beautiful painting with his feet, and also you're drunk. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bull podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build The Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, The Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.